there's there's been such a like tight grip on the implementation and use and even just land management around fire and wildland fire in kind of the federal world. And it's been so such an inaccessible skill to develop if you're not like fully embedded in the paramilitary structure of the fire suppression world. And so in my dream, in a few years, I, you know, every single landowner has, a, or landowner or land manager, anyone who's stewarding land, and hopefully everyone is, has a chainsaw and a drip torch and a backpack pump and knows how to use all of those and is making use of whatever winter burn windows show up in between rain um, to just go burn off some leaf litter in the area around their home and, and knows how to do that diligently, right? They've, they've got the basic knowledge to be able to do that in a way that is safe and, and reasonable. Hey folks, and welcome to episode 19 of Life of Fire podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Montai. And I'm making today's intro pretty short because I have a flight to Reno to go help out on the Caldor fire. And that flight leaves in about two hours. So I'm trying to pump this out before I take off. Uh, Today's guest is Sasha Berleman, who was a fantastic guest and somebody that I've really wanted to get on the show for a while now. So I was really happy to be able to touch base with her and chat with her about her background, um, all of the work that she's done with various Firewise organizations and prescribed burn coalitions and her PhD work at UC Berkeley. And honestly, this woman has the most insane resume I think I've ever seen, I'm pretty sure. So it was great to chat with her. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We spoke quite a bit about her uh, experiences of being a founding member of a prescribed fire coalition down in the Bay Area of California, um, as well as a few of her suggestions for folks who are interested in doing similar work in their own communities. Um, building resilience, building community education, um, getting more drip torches in people's hands, basically, and just building a sort of network of land stewards. And on top of all that, she is a Mystery Ranch ambassador. Uh, she's a former Reading hotshot. She uh, has organized and been a part of a number of the Trex events happening across the country. And she was also the founder and the current director of the Fire Forward program at Audubon Canyon Ranch. To put it simply, she's really just committed her life to building community resilience as well as uh, educating the public on the importance of good fire. And for me, and a big reason that I brought her on is because she's kind of my role model in terms of solution-oriented community work and uh, just sort of building this community around the idea of good fire. So I'll let her take it from here. I appreciate you guys listening, as always. And if you enjoy this episode, please share it uh, with anybody that you think might be interested. Um, I think what Sasha has to say can be really useful for other folks who are interested in doing similar things in their own communities. So I will leave it to Sasha, and I hope you guys enjoy the episode. So I am Sasha Berleman. <laughs> uh, I use all pronouns, and I'm the the director of the Fire Forward program at Audubon Canyon Ranch. And it's a nonprofit based program that's doing capacity building for prescribed fire on private lands with cooperative uh, land ownerships, cooperative burning. Um, it's, uh, I was the founder of the program back in 2017. It's been really fun seeing it grow over the last few years. Um, and I got into fire because I grew up in Southern California and wildfires were just part of my 
every summer existence and uh, were a big deal to me as a little kid. I had like night terrors about wildfires and um, trying to save my family from wildfires when I was like four and five years old. Um, and so yeah, it was a big deal as a kid, but I didn't learn about the need for fire in California systems or the way that people lived in a really positive way with fire for thousands of years until I reached community college. And the moment that I learned that, it just like blew my mind that it took that long to ever hear that side of the story. Um, so yeah, I got really interested in it, was pretty certain I was not smart enough to be a scientist. So it took me a while to actually dive into doing fire science and fire ecology. And uh, yeah, once I did, uh, I knew it was definitely <laughs> what I wanted to be focusing on. And yeah, I always knew I wanted to do the land management side of fire science and fire ecology, not so much academia. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm doing it now, <laughs> doing it live. You're doing it live and you have a PhD <laughs> from Berkeley. And I just like love the combination, um, you know, kind of, as you said, just working in the field with, with that level of education and bringing that level of education to communities and not to say academia is bad, but um, I just like, I, I kind of love that path that you've taken. And I'm not sure if I've seen anybody else that's really done that. I don't know. I mean, I don't mean to like compare you or anything, but I don't know. Have you experienced anybody else that's kind of following a similar path in your experiences? I I think there are other people doing work like that um, who have also done the academic side. Um, I think the Nature Conservancy draws a lot of people who study fire ecology and then go into prescribed fire and land stewardship. Um, yeah, but uh, so yeah, I think, I think it's a thing. I think maybe a lot of those folks are a little bit introverted or <laughs> focused on the ground that they're on. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Understandably. <laughs> so I'm curious, you know, you've, you've sort of founded or been a founding member of a number of different fire safe or fire wise organizations, I would call them kind of generally. Um, and I'm curious, you know, what would you tell other folks? I'm talking mostly about myself right now. <laughs> what would you tell <laughs> folks that are interested in kind of doing these similar things in their own communities? Um, whether it's starting one of these organizations or getting involved in one of these organizations or just simply kind of being, feeling more accountable to the landscapes where you live. We need you. <laughs> That's the main thing is like, there's, there's been such a like tight grip on the implementation and use and even just land management around fire and wildland fire in kind of the federal world. And it's been so such an inaccessible skill to develop if you're not like fully embedded in the paramilitary structure of the fire suppression world. And so, um, you know, bringing this knowledge and skill set and training and the qualifications to uh, people who are not part of that is going to be a necessary part of moving forward because we need that all hands, all lands model, right? Like we're, we're shouting that from the rooftops across the U.S. and we need to actually be doing that and investing in that. And uh, we need people coming from that deep knowledge from that federal world that have built all of these skill sets and seen all these amazing things and bringing that to people who are not embedded in that. And um, so I'm, I'm stoked every time I make a connection with anyone who has any kind of background in the federal fire world, because um, I think the federal fire, fire world draws like really remarkable people who are super 
organized and, uh, you know, focused and want to make a difference and do really hard work. And uh, like the more we can bring that to this other cooperative burn side, I think the better off everyone will be. Um, yeah, so we need you is the main message there. <laughs> and how do these organizations that you're involved with sort of facilitate those those conversations or facilitate those those relationships between those federal folks and people on the ground in the community that don't have that sort of federal or like really structured background? Yeah, so we're we're usually trying to find ways to um, like gainfully employ or somehow bring folks in who have a federal background to plug into that on the ground work and on like the classes and trainings um, so that they're able to function and serve as trainers for folks who are who don't have that background or you know don't have it yet but are hoping to maybe get some of that as well. Um, so we'll anytime I meet someone who might be willing to come out to a burn who has a federal background, we plug them into leadership roles and we try to spotlight and give them room to, you know, do some actual facilitation of intentional training and, um, you know, share whatever knowledge they're willing and able to share with folks. Um, we're teaching NWCG classes in our area to these uh, folks in the community who are learning these skills. So I love having access to more folks who have that background that I can plug into leadership positions, have on the cadre, um, even as subject matter experts to contribute in that way. Um, yeah, just plugging people in and giving them spotlights as much as possible so that they can help build up these communities is huge. Absolutely. And you started, um, you were a founder of a prescribed fire council in California, right? In Southern California. Was that right? No, I'm not. I'm, um, I'm, I was on the board for a while of the Central Coast Prescribed Fire Council. Um, and then I am actually, no, you're right. In, in, in the Bay Area, we have the Bay Area Prescribed Fire Council and I'm, I am a founding member of that. Um, and I'm on the, the board for that. And then we've got a Prescribed Burn Association here as well called the Good Fire Alliance and uh, Fire Forward, my program is a, a founding member of that. And we're on the steering committee for that as well. So one prescribed fire council and, and one prescribed burn association right here in the Bay area. That's too cool. Like <laughs> such cool work. And I'm curious, you know, if this, I'm sure this is a big, it's a big process, but if you could explain kind of like a bit of what that process looks like in founding these organizations or even being involved in these organizations, I'm really trying to provide something of a, of a, like a, almost a toolkit to people in their own communities um, who would be maybe interested in doing similar work. Yeah, it's, that that part's a little hard to describe in any kind of nutshell. <laughs> I can imagine. I know, like toolkit. This is like a four thousand word blog yeah. post. I feel like <laughs> not like a three word, a three minute like right. summary. I think a part of it is um, you know getting connected with the other folks who have uh, that kind of any any of those meaningful contributing skill sets, and having that cohort of people who have that shared vision, shared mission wanting to create more access to good fire in their area um, and take some action to get good things done. And I think the model is gonna look different in every community because the needs are gonna be different. The, the culture is gonna be different. There's gonna be so much. So um, what I've really kind of thought about so far is, you know, whoever the people are who have skills and knowledge in this field, getting together, talking about what they see is a need in the community and then 
looking for ways to start working on it. I think um, staying really flexible at first. Uh, here we, you know, I think we started off initially maybe trying to just uh, already have an idea of what our area wanted. And then pretty quickly we learned that the community was going to tell us what it was ready for, what it needed. And so it's just about paying attention, identifying, okay, what are the main hurdles right now to getting this work done and then taking it a piece at a time. So here, you know, we, we had never used the cooperative, modern cooperative burn model here in the Bay Area. So at first it's just like going through that permitting process one time and a, a group of us working together. Um, so we brought in a, a friend, Ben Jacobs, who's a retired type one federal burn boss. And he worked with me to work with CAL FIRE and the group of us just kind of collaborated on, okay, how are we going to use this private lands burn permitting process to even get one prescribed burn on the ground? Um, and then from there, we went to, okay, now we need to start training people. How are we going to start providing official trainings to build people's qualifications? Um, and then we ended up with people who were able to go staff burns moving forward. Um, so I, I think it's, it's about gathering the right community <laughs> to lead that. Um, I'm kind of rambling here, but, <laughs> but I think that's, that's the core part. <laughs> that's exactly what I was asking for anyway. That was great. Okay. Just to, like a few things to like sort of think about and, and ponder yeah. if you're really um, interested in, in doing something similar. Um, and so, you know, like, I'm curious, like what keeps you stoked on, on this kind of work? I know you just have your hands in a lot of different of irons in the fire <laughs> term super cliche but it's true and so i'm curious what kind of keeps you stoked especially in kind of a structure that might feel like i don't know i feel like you probably get a lot of you're, you're challenged pretty often you got you hit a lot of obstacles pretty often i'm sure so i'm curious yeah. what gets you going i mean actually the obstacles are super exciting to me because because all of those are moments where there's clear opportunity for growth and if we can figure out what's causing the obstacle and find a way through it and be creative and not just like try to charge through it, but instead figure out how we can maneuver elegantly around or through it, it it's super invigorating when that works. And then seeing this community here, um, there's just so much enthusiasm and this like genuine interest to be a part of something meaningful and you know, people are sick of sitting around and watching their world burn down and want to be doing something that feels like it's making a difference and being a part of a movement. And um, so we just hosted S-130, the, the field day, the final field day for basic wildland firefighter class. And we had a full class with a wait list, 45 people came out and they're all from like super diverse folks from the community, all coming around a similar purpose of wanting to build the skill set and wanting to be able to be a part of something and make a difference, but all with their own angles and um, backgrounds into why they're doing this. And they're so motivating for me. And over we've been doing this enough years now that we've seen some folks go from taking their first, you know, S-130 class with us, not knowing anything about what this meant or what it might look like. And then now they're stepping into leadership positions and they're um, you know, becoming squad bosses and, and they're, they know how to go out and do a site visit and even can draft burn plans now and talk to Cal Fire in an educated way about what they want to do. Um, so seeing that progress has been huge. 
That was such an amazingly positive answer. And I hate to go back to the challenges thing, but I am curious, like, what are, what are some of the more formidable challenges that you kind of encounter um, in your day-to-day? Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we do struggle with the fact that like, we're starting from kind of from scratch here. Like we didn't have people who could lead this work uh, across this community. So, um, and like, I'm, I'm not a burn boss yet. So every year we've had to like, try to figure out, okay, how, who's going to be available to burn boss our burn units. And so that's been a big challenge. Um, the liability conversations are always a struggle and exhausting, especially when we know that like there's actually in, in reality, not the way policy is set up in reality, the liability of not doing work should be way, way worse in policy than the liability of trying to do good work and having the possibility that something goes not the way you wanted or planned or intended. Um, so that part gets frustrating sometimes, but Senate Bill 332 is making progress on that and they're changing um, the law around that a little bit, hopefully if that Senate bill goes through. So that's exciting too. Um, and then, yeah, they're, you know, trying to make this work happen while embedded in a whole system that's really not built to make this something that we do on a regular basis or to make it really accessible or, or easy to get done when we're facing this like in- incredible time crunch of, you know, we've had catastrophic fires here every year for the past five years. So um, it's not like we have a ton of time to get this work done. Um, so those are definitely frustrations and challenges that we face that, um, you know, we're making a little bit of progress all the time with, with them, but they're not readily, easily fixable problems, even with whatever effort we're putting into this program to, to make a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's, that's something that's repeated pretty often by almost everybody I speak with, but I am curious kind of like what your firewise utopia looks like, like if all those challenges or rather if like, if every agency was sort of um, able to be on board with this, or I don't know how to ex- exactly explain this, but like yeah. what in your mind maybe would the forest service do to make this a little easier on you or another agency do to make this all sort of structured and in a more conducive way to building resilience? <laughs> yeah. Oh, good questions. Um, so a really heavy one. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Um, you know, in our area, we're not working that much with the federal agencies because there's not a lot of federal land. It's pretty much just like Golden Gate National Recreation Area, and they've been great partners. Um, if we are going to the federal stuff, like one of the challenges is that the only non-federal agency that has access to NWCG technically is the Nature Conservancy. and there are other, the, the NWCG system is actually really valuable. They've put together really incredible courses and um, they're really well done. And the structure of task books is really incredibly value, valuable as well. So uh, I think over time, finding ways to integrate additional nonprofits or agencies into that NWCG structure is gonna be really important if we're creating access to this work to the people. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, in terms of my utopia, it's been like, I, I've been I've been saying for the last year or so that in my dream, in a few years, 
I, you know, every single landowner has, uh, or landowner or land manager, anyone who's stewarding land, and hopefully everyone is, has a chainsaw and a drip torch and a backpack pump and knows how to use all of those and is making use of whatever winter burn windows show up in between rains, which there are more and more winter burn windows all the time now, um, to just go burn off some leaf litter in the area around their home. Um, and, and knows how to do that diligently, right? They've, they've got the basic knowledge to be able to do that in a way that is safe and, and reasonable. Um, and then I definitely think we need to be, it, there's all this talk about how we need to stand up a prescribed fire effort, but um, I have not seen nearly enough effort going toward job creation in this field, in this like what's called prevention, but I really think it's more about prescribed fire, like land stewardship, ecosystem stewardship using fire. Um, and I think that's gonna need to be a huge part of it. We should have massive numbers of jobs <laughs> that are just focused on the planning and coordination of prescribed fire and then jobs that are strictly focused on implementation. We can't put all of that work on the people who are doing suppression right now because suppression season gets longer and longer and more extreme all the time. Um, so it needs to be its own massive infrastructure of jobs that are completely dedicated to that stewardship using fire piece. Um, so I'm, I'm also hoping that over time we see all of the agencies and all the like nonprofits and organizations that own and manage land really building up infrastructure in the form of jobs and employing people to do that work, which should be totally awesome for everyone because everyone likes having more jobs available. So hopefully that would benefit everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. That was a great answer. Thank you. Um, my only other question is just what um, upcoming projects that you have lined up that you're excited about? Ooh, uh, this winter, well, we just this June launched a fellowship program uh, in the Fire Forward program that I direct. And we have 10 people who've been coming out as part of this prescribed burn association and building skills um, for a couple of years in that fellowship. And by the end of the year, uh, I think they'll be qualified as squad bosses and they're learning as part of this fellowship how to uh, basically plan a prescribed burn from square one to the end um, or from beginning to end. And so I'm really excited that we're building up these 10 really remarkable people who've been for years taking vacation days to come out and support prescribed burning efforts um, so that they can be future leaders in this, in our area. Um, so that's super exciting. And then this, fall slash winter, we're starting to plan um, a series of three to five day burn windows where we would just carry fire across a property or multiple properties from unit to unit that are up against each other so that we can do more contiguous burning in any given area. Um, we've got so many burn projects for this fall and all of them have both fuels management and really awesome ecological stewardship objectives and we're involving really awesome, diverse folks from all over the region, different backgrounds in them. So I'm excited for all of that too. That's awesome. Can you tell me a little bit about the relationship you guys have with indigenous, uh, do you work with indigenous tribes in the Bay Area at all? We do. Um, so we have a, a partnership that we're constantly growing with the Federated Indians of Great Rancheria. Um, and 
in particular, uh, one of our good friends and one of our fellows, Peter Nelson, is um, is a close partner, and he's actually he's both a citizen of the Federated Indians of Greater Nigeria, but also a professor at UC Berkeley in um, archaeology, and he's studied fire and basket weaving materials. And so we're actually planning. This is one of the burns I'm most excited about. Um, we're planning a burn at a location that has uh, connections to his family. And uh, it's at Thomas Point, which is this little peninsula that goes out into Tamales Bay in Marin County. And uh, he is working with us to write a burn plan for that location. And it's going to be uh, completely led by Peter and his uh, friend and colleague and fellow citizen, Sim Snyder, uh, and the tribe, potentially inviting other tribes to support it. And uh, I think my myself and my team at Fire Forward are going to sit in kayaks around the edge of the peninsula and they're going to, the tribe's going to ignite this burn unit and come down the, the, to the beach and get in our kayaks to, to leave the land. And I'm super, super stoked for that partnership. And I think it's just a signal of uh, many other future collaborations to come. All right, folks, that's what we've got for you. Thank you for listening. Huge thanks to Sasha for coming on the show. I will leave a few resources in this episode's show notes, including uh, Sasha's website and a few of the organizations that she's involved with. And I, once again, am really appreciative of you guys listening and sharing and subscribing to the podcast. Um, Please continue to do so, especially if you enjoyed this episode. The work that Sasha does really deserves to be shared far and wide. And I think that there are a lot of folks in a lot of communities that can learn a lot from her advocacy, her work, and the organizations that she's founded and been a part of. So thanks again. Hope you enjoyed the episode and I'll catch you on the next one.